Love black queens with introspective. See the world from a dope perspective. Type that's real heavy on the intellect. Always light on the disrespect. Conversation that keep you engaged. Free speech against the minds of a saving. They can't be the only ones. Now they can't be the only ones. A podcast that streams from coast to coast. Miss Gale and be your lovely host. To hear the show that you ain't alone. Can't be the only ones. No, we can't be the only ones. A podcast that streams from coast to coast. Welcome to our podcast, We Can Be the Only Ones. I'm Gail. I'm B. And I want to thank you once again for tuning in and listening to our little chatter and our little advice and our little fun and our just our being. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And speaking of thank you, it's our moment of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Look at you! <laughs> I know, two yeah, weeks in a row. <laughs> you got it. There's a trend happening in the world. Yes, it is. Habits. Yes. Like, what does it take? 21 days for a habit? Less than that. I See? read a book. We have to talk about that. The book was excellent, by the okay. way. Okay. About habits. But who goes first? You. Okay. Well, I'm grateful for... I am grateful for my friends that surround me in my time of need. No matter what it is, whether it's a big need, a little need, or a need they don't even know what, but they just know me well enough to know when something's not right. All the way from Atlanta, even Annie reached out to me just to check on me. And that is such a, I'm so grateful for that. That's good. To be so loved. See? That's good. Um, I am thankful for me. Um, <laughs> I really am. I was just thinking about like the qualities and the traits that I have. And I am just very grateful to be myself, to be here, to be in the moments that I am in and be able to go through them and learn through them. So I am grateful for the fact that my out of my one in 400 trillion chances of being here, that I am me. It feels good to be me. And as it should be. Yeah. So I'm giving Very myself good. a little pat on the back and a little hug tonight. Okay. And funny you should mention hugs. Okay. Um. A couple of things happened this week. Uh, Camilla, is that how you pronounce her name? Harris, I don't know what we're talking about. The vice president nominee. Kamala. Kamala. Kamala Harris, in her acceptance speech, she mentioned her mother and that her mother always reminded her that it is such a good feeling, and I, I, I'm not quoting her directly, to be able to serve others. Mm -hmm. to come outside of yourself and to serve other people. And 
Then today I opened up my little daily word thing that I do. And the first, it was Matthew 23:11, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And that flipped me all the way to thinking about how people have taken that word servant and made it such a bad thing. And, and you're, we're here to serve one another and to, to prop up each other and, and to be there. And because during this week I had a, a kind of not a tough, tough thing, but um, the jury's still out if I have a, a possible illness that will have to be dealt with. And all of these things kind of brought home something to me that you have to be sometimes just outside of yourself because if you say within yourself, it, things fester. Like, you know, the, the threat of being sick or being incapacitated mm -hmm. can cripple you before you even know what the answer is. Yeah, it does. And we just get so wrapped up in that and it... it it reflects in everything to the point like the day before I went for the test and I told B this, I parked my car at work, went into work. And when I got ready to leave, couldn't find my car keys. They were in the car. And when I got in the car, it was very cool and relaxing. The car had ran for about six hours. Thank mm -hmm. God. I guess I had gas. I don't really know how that works when you run out of gas like that. It's a process. So it just brought home the fact to me, I need to, I can't ignore the fact that there, I was trying to ignore it by saying, hey, it's fine, it's okay, God got me, it's all right, no matter what, God got me. And yes, God does have me, but you know, there's this odd thing that he made each of us. It's called human. Oh, we all gonna die. And, and it's not about whether you die or not. I don't fear death because I'm bound for heaven and I'm okay with that. But it's, we forget that we are human and it's okay to say, look, I need something. Mm -hmm. I, I, I need to, I need for you, this other person to recognize that I'm in need. Well, I have a question about, well, several questions, but I guess we'll work backwards. Um, how does someone know that you're in need? That's that's the whole thing where I'm trying to go to is that if I'm walking around like it's fine, it's dandy, everything's okay, and more or less adopting a negative attitude rather than a positive attitude because I'm I tend to push people away in the times of stress and worry. I, I push you away from me because I don't want to be a bad representative for the Lord, I don't want to be that little worrisome person that then you tell people you're a Christian, then you worrying. What does that look like? But I'm still worrying, so it's not working out either way. I mean, I think everybody should give themselves, lend themselves a certain amount of grace because you can't be all things at all times. So even with that, there are moments where everyone is worried, where everyone is anxious, where everyone is fearful. Um, 
And I guess knowing yourself and how you are in those moments, kind of seeing yourself in that moment and being able to reach out however you need to reach out to because at the same time, like a closed mouth won't get fed. Yes. So if you are not willing to speak up and advocate for yourself, who will? And I think that's kind of what it is. Whatever the advocacy looks like, maybe the advocacy is you asking for help. Maybe it is you seeking therapy. Maybe whatever it is that advocacy needs to be starts from within, I think. Because not every, no one's a mind reader. No, they're not. And, and that brought me to the point of being of service to someone. How can we really help people if we don't know what people need? If I didn't say, look, I'm really upset about this, I'm very worried. Okay, I'm just, she's moody, she's this, she's that. And it, it made me think about the service thing. How do we go about helping people if we don't know what they need? Do we just, you know, put money in a bucket and think, up? Oh, they'll be taken care of? I mean, I think part of it is mirroring. Sometimes it's just what you need. It's not a... Sometimes it is about what you need. Like he stated, you didn't say that you were worried. You, back to advocating for oneself. You kind of have to know what you need before you can start fixing everyone else. Because you're only plugging holes into something that won't, you know what I mean? That has that will yeah. overfill. Or if it has too many holes, you're just one here, there, one arm there, and you're playing twister trying to spot the holes. So I just feel like back to it needs the avocation and the service needs to be to oneself, not to a point where it's crippling and it's all about you and you can't see other people. But in your dire moments of need, like when you're worried, what do you need? How do you react in that moment? And does that make you feel good to react in that moment? And then maybe in the, in the means of adaptability, say, let me, I've, I've kept it in for this long, not putting on that whole, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. Versus saying, how are you doing? I'm tired. Because when people ask me how I'm doing, I tell them. Mm -hmm. Because if I were to say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, people take that as face value, that you're fine, and they move on. Because you've said you're fine, versus you saying, I'm tired, and they're like, well, why? And then you can kind of dig to see, maybe it's just community that you need at that point in time and then that person knows okay this person is a little bit tired around this time or whatever let's you know what i mean i think it builds rapport but i think not being able to service yourself doesn't lend you to be able to give that to other people and i guess what it made me think about was i'm in a somewhat good spot in that I do have a job, I do have an income, I live in a house, I got a car, mm -hmm. clothes, food, all of that. Mm -hmm. People who don't have all of that, 
that it, that must be sometimes a tremendous burden to carry that how and, and I was struggling with saying how I really was feeling how can I help someone else when they can't verbalize it either because there are things in front of them blocking them what can I do as a person to help them draw out so they can get help I mean to be honest, I don't have the answer to that question. Um, I think if that's the case, I'm pretty sure there's some certification that you would be able to do to do advocacy work, to do whatever, you know what I mean? Some sort of research into that. I just feel like everybody needs something and the help that you need isn't going to be the same thing for one person to another person. So some right. people may need money. Some people need, may need mental health services. Some people may need daycare. Some people may need a bunch of different things. And you probably will not be able to provide that to everyone who comes, you know what I mean, that you are trying to bring in, if that makes sense. Oh, that does make sense. So I think, again, still going back to self, what are your strengths? What are, you know... On the opposite side of being worried and the negative or feeling angry or however you feel, you know, what are your strengths that you can lean into and what avenues do you have ahead of you that you can take? So, uh, again, you know, is there an advocacy group that you can join or however that will lend you that information because it has to be overwhelming to think, what can I do to save the world? Yeah. And you can't, you just literally can't. I mean, we can touch other people, and I don't mean physically touch them, but we can like touch and reach out to other people as we can. And based on humanity, I just feel like if you can reach out to one person and make a difference, however you can make a difference, that's humanity within itself. But however grand it becomes, it is what it is. It depends on your level of commitment, your level of learning, because I'm pretty sure just wanting to go out there and help people, it just, it requires so much more training outside of saying that I want to help Oh, everybody. and uh, I, and I'm not saying we run out and just throw stuff to the wind. I'm just, it just made me think. No, I get what you're people need something and... They don't have the ability to verbalize it or their shame. Like um, young girls who may be pregnant and they don't want anybody to know that they're pregnant. So what do they do? You know, they can't verbalize it and because they're in fear. Maybe they're afraid their parents will have such a bad reaction to them, mm -hmm. put them on the street, or the boys not going to care, or if they're grown, you know, living on their own, am I going to keep it? Am I not going to keep it? And even to, to, even to make it more simplistic, after I got in my car and I had to go get gas, and I'm going to get gas and thank goodness I have my little rubber gloves and everything and I'm getting the gas and I saw this um, young fellow on the other side getting gas and he was literally counting out like quarters 
looking at the car and, and, and things and I looked at him and just so happens I rarely have cash on me I have some cash on me and I said young man do you need gas money no ma'am I'm good I'm good it's enough here I just need enough to get home I said young man here take the five dollars put it in your gas tank and he said really I said yes now two things happened one I felt good so was it a little self-serving maybe and but he felt good too that a total stranger I didn't want nothing from him helped him well I mean that's that's been proven when you do for others it's kind of like a reciprocal cycle of when you're good to other people you feel good it's just a natural byproduct of it um so i mean that's to be expected so again that little human to human contact i don't know how it meant to him but you still felt positive out of it so again to make it even simpler do what you can to help those you can as you can how you can and there's a lot of dynamics even in that little intercourse there because if you're an older person or a different race you think in your head that's a young kid you know maybe he's buying drugs or if you can you can go to negative land and not ever do anything for somebody else because you think they're going to take it and go the wrong way with it I had, or are you um, afraid that or what if he if I go in my purse and he sees me go in my purse he snatches my purse because he's down on his luck I had um speaking about just seeing people do that and I I have a, a friend of mine and when we would you know get off of the I-95 there's normally you know people without homes or people who are asking for money there and um he would always no matter what if he had something on it just give it to them and I remember this conversation a long time ago and um I was like well why do you do this like every time we're in a car you like you give them money like why do you do this and he was like I'm, I'm like you're not concerned with what they're gonna do afterwards or anything and he was like I don't care what they do afterwards I don't I don't care what they do with it afterwards and his mother had taught him that when he was little as well like just if you have something and you it doesn't matter what that person does that's not your concern if you're given yes. with if you're giving to someone with okay so I need you to do X Y and Z with that be sure you're not giving from a place in my opinion that that is pure that's not a servant's heart. No, no, you're giving them an errand. Yeah, that's not. Your, your friend has a servant's heart. He is serving others mm -hmm. willfully, honestly, with a commitment, but not a payoff. Not at all. And I'm sure, and I mean, there are times as well, like I don't carry cash often. But when I do, I give. If it's food that I have that's uneaten or I went to like someplace, you know, whatever, I, I had a honey bun, whatever it is, I think that's the, it is the beauty in that moment where you're not even, it's not a second thought. And I think the more right. you flex that reflex, it becomes not even a reflex or that muscle 
it becomes more of second nature to continue to give. Um, but how would, if we were to go back, how would you define a servant leader? Because that's where you started off with. Well, for me, the, the, the scripture defines it. That scripture defines it. But he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant. And what that means, it doesn't mean that your maid or your butler is the greatest person among you because they're bringing you your shoes or cooking your food or cleaning your house. It's just what you described what your friend does. Mm -hmm. That's a servant's heart. And that makes you a great person. There'll be great people that no one will ever see. Mm -hmm. Because they do, uh, for instance, oh, I can't think of her name now. She, the little short woman who gave and I can't think of her name. She always wore her head wrapped up. And she always, my mother Teresa. Yeah, thank you. Oh. She fed people <laughs> and everything, but wanted nothing for herself. Now, when she was doing all that, people probably thought she's a whack job. She living almost homeless and giving stuff to people. And when you see people do that, when you see rich people give something, you think, oh, they got all that. You don't really know what what it took them to get that. I mean, when you see anybody give anything. Um, I mean, it is what it is. It's almost putting your, not your needs or someone's needs or wants and considering it. So I think even when it comes to being a servant leader is being a considerate leader, not right. of just your own glory. Um, it's of who you can rise, however they rise. If, you, if, if it's just you giving somebody $5, you never know where that could have taken him or however it works. But I think it's also being a servant leader is being considerate. And I don't think that a lot of that is second nature as we think it is. I think sometimes we just have to learn to do that and to be that and to decenter ourselves and our glory because I mean America is kind of a meritocracy where we just believe that like if you work hard enough you can do anything and you'll be on top of the world but we're not necessarily thinking about the people along the way who have helped us mm -hmm. to get to that ascension and who we're bringing along with us I think a lot of people or some people think that there's only so much room at the top. So why would I go back to give back? But you're still a leader. You're still a Fortune 500, you know, whoever. But it's not you reaching back to say, what can I do so that there's more of me modeled? And I don't, the quest for power in America is so great that I think it doesn't allow for a lot of people to be servant leaders. I think when people think of leaders, they think of that as someone, I need people to follow me yeah. versus a servant leader saying, I will follow you. 
My father used to say that when you're in a position of leadership, your skill, you should be skilled at pulling people up to where you are mm -hmm. and pushing them above you. I mean, I think if we were to go even there, like, I think with that, that requires a level of humility. Not everybody wants here. Okay. You can get on my level, but you can't get past me too. And I think that's what it is too. You know, like for me to want to be a servant leader to someone, I, I kind of have to be understanding and have enough humility to know that that person may surpass me. And it's not even a may, they should. May Let should me or whatever, however to, they, to, they to land. Go, to go on, because we ain't going all going the same direction anyway. No. And I think sometimes we get caught up in, in that, in that, whoa, what if they take my job? What if they do? I mean, literally, I, I used to work with a woman who would train someone to take her job. And we would be like, why are you doing this? She goes, I'm going to get another one. Well, what job? I don't know yet. I mean, that's But every smart. time she did, and she got a better job. Because unbeknownst to us at that level, we didn't see the higher-ups watching her, training people to take her position. So then they started moving her up to, we looked one day, she was our boss. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how, and I, that wasn't her intent, though. No, I don't think, I think people just, not to be all like cliche or whatever, but bad things happen to good people, but I also think that a lot of good things happen to good people too. Yes. And what you call good is not something that is defined. The same way that whatever you find your happiness to lie in won't be the same for other people. But I am a firm believer that good things I mean granted bad things happens to everybody right but I feel like especially so if your intent is to make sure that you're approaching the life with whatever philosophy of giving back and giving of yourself and making space and room for other people to flourish that abundance comes back on you as a boomerang however it comes back because there's an authenticity about that when it comes without it being that I want something in return. Right. You're and not looking for the big payoff yes, all the time. And there's a, a genuineness about that that other people can recognize and they don't mind looking out for you as well when you need it, if you need it. But as you said, you have to be able to say you need it. And I think that starts, like you said, that starts with you. Everything that starts, starts with, with you. you. And I spent the rest of that day and days subsequent to that, like looking around for opportunities, even to the girl who was doing my test. I said, if, if money was in an object, what is it that you're looking for in life that you would love to have? And she's like, I wish we had the most. Then she started describing the type of machine that she has seen that she could run this test on that would make it so much easier and faster. Mm -hmm. And she said, I would love to have one of those. I said, well, is that like really for you? She said, yes and no. 
She said, I can't take it home. <laughs> she said, but it would make my work life easier and I would even feel more content at the results I'm giving people. Because oh. I would know this is really, she said, because sometimes it's really difficult to get the, you know, make sure all the results are clear. Mm -hmm. She said, I really got to work at this. She said, but there are machines that would make it so easy and so much more clear of a result for my patients. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really kind of a cool thing for her, too, that, that she would want that. If, if, if all things being equal, she didn't ask for a new house, a car. And I thought, okay, that's like a pretty cool thing. It made me think outside of myself. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's practice. It's practice if one isn't used to doing it, just like everything. Like, I think what we, the beauty about being a human is that for the most part, we are adaptable. Yes. For the most part, if you can recognize um, that you can do it, like unless there's some sort of physical or mental um, disability. But for the most part, I think we are adaptable creatures and who you were, even if you were a selfish individual or, you know, you you were one of those because I mean, I was one of those people that was like, oh, no, I'm not going to give them my money because I don't know what they're going to do. And just in that conversation that I was just like, okay, whenever I have something, if I have it, I'm giving it without a doubt. Like, and what you do notice too, kind of like that, uh, what you do notice is that if you give around other people, they seem to be more inclined to give mm -hmm. as well. So, and the same thing about the whole when people go to Starbucks and they buy the coffee for the person behind them and then that person buys it for I the person behind that. them. So that chain keeps going and you don't know that person. So it's one of those things that people, the same way people soak up negativity is the same way that or model, you know, negative behaviors and they, you know, act upon them and they reenact them. I think people do kindness and acts of services as well. When you can see it modeled, yes, you're more inclined to do it. There was a guy at Starbucks, it was funny, the Starbucks that I stop at, I happened to pull up one day and the girl kept going, I know you, where do I know you from? And I you know, why would this be Miami? You know, I'm gonna have to bleep all this out, right? Oh, I'm sorry. But go on. Okay. I'm, I named all the possible places <laughs> we could meet. Don't bleep this. It was church. <clears throat> okay. She said, no, it's potential. She said, it's your, don't bleep out potential. You can bleep potential one. She said, it's your hair. She said, I remember your hair. She said, I remember seeing you and your hair there and you were that, passing out food. And she said, it's so nice. So then I said, the, the person behind me, I said, you know, I'm going to pay for theirs. And she looked at me. She said, he's not really a nice man. I said, then I want to pay for it for sure. So I paid for it. A week later, I come back. She's not at the window, but they call her over. And she says, you know what that guy did? when?" And I thought she was going to tell me he refused. He was mad. She goes, he left you a gift card. 
and said, thank you. He needed that. I said, you guys keep the gift card. Thank you. I, that, that just warms my heart to know that he would do that. And she said, he really is not a nice person. But that day, and he seemed nicer ever since. I see maybe he just needed somebody to be nice to him. Or kind. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I think, again, when people have are kind and they're, they're model that people are more intent to model that as well. In the same way that we got like, you know, a Cheeto in office and he models hate and there's a sector of people who, who love that. feed, 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 feed. But at the same time, he's only giving them what they want. So yes, that there is something to that as well that is cyclical and symbiotic because he's being what they want him to be and they are being what he wants them to be too. So, I mean... And then the flip side of that is all this that's going on with this virus and the hospital workers, the, the food workers. I don't think there's a time I go into the market that I don't hear someone thank them, thank a food worker. Thank you mm -hmm. for being here. And I, I've seen them, so I, as you say, model it. I'll just see somebody looking a little frustrated. So I just want to say thank you for coming to work today and restocking the shelves. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And, and there, you know, you, that's such a, it's a little bitty nothing. It takes what? A nanosecond. Yeah, I find myself. I mean, part of it has to do with I've worked in customer service for so long, but even then you don't always see it. But I tend to tell people to have a wonderful day. And I mean it. When I say it, I truly, truly do mean it. Like, have a great day. Have a great week. Whatever it is. Like, I mean, there are certain times that I'm, I'm snippy, but that's more so work emails. But other than that, like, I genuinely mean have a good day because it's hard it is hard and I think it all depends on what you can give because at this point in time not everybody has that mental capacity to give and I get it yeah I, I completely get it but if you can give and you can be kind and you can look outside of yourself to say what can I give from whatever area of a privilege that you may have at that point in time how does that work? And I even think even further and even broader base to like the U.S., we don't have a cult. I mean, I think part of being a servant leader has a lot to do with collectivism. And we are too much of an individualistic country yes. to fester and to cultivate and to make grow and make a thing servant leadership because it's always about I, 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 I. That even goes all the way down to the police. When I grew up, we as little kids, the policemen in our neighborhood would come to the school and introduce themselves and we would know police officer Johnny, police officer Paul, police officer Carmen. We knew them. They, we would see them along the way going to school and they would say, if you see something out the way or somebody's disturbing you, just walk to the curb and wave your arm up and down. We'll come to you. Mm -hmm. 
and they were known they were our rescuers in a sense as little kids we did not fear them we didn't think they're going to do crazy things to us mm -hmm. and it was a they were the neighborhood police now we didn't i don't even remember when state police came along but they were the neighborhood police they walked the beat we saw them in the neighborhood we knew them mm -hmm. and my grandmother says when the police officers got cars, that's when we lost our neighborhood policemen. Oh, like they would actually, is that where Walk the Beat comes from? Yes, they ah. would be in the neighborhood, stop and talk, Miss Steele, how you doing? Everything okay, Miss Steele? You know, or Aunt Sally, they might call her. You know, even the bums on the corner would see the cops and try to get inside the bar. Oh, like houseless people. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I mean, it, they walked the beat. They knew us. If we were playing in the street or something or a car was coming, they didn't yell at us to get out the street. They put their hand out to the car. Slow down. We got kids here. Well, they were invested in the neighborhood. And if they did, that they saw that same car speeding again, oh, you got pulled over and got a ticket. Well, I have a question. When the state police or the ones with cops at that point in time, when they came through, were they okay what race were the officers or they were they were mixed okay but did they live in a neighborhood yes okay so then when they got cars they didn't necessarily live in the neighborhood they need they needed to live in a certain um because a friend of mine's husband was one and they lived at the time in the outside of our area and he wanted to become a, a, a you know drive the car to get a car, he had to move back in. Okay. You, he had to live in a certain vicinity. Then that started to all change. And then you just didn't know who they were. I mean, I, I remember by the time I got to high school, I my family still knew most of the cops because we had cops in our family. But if you didn't have a cop in your family, you didn't know who was in patrol car 17. We happen to know because we're our our family were police officers here and there were a little bit of everything police officers and the others, but so that's when it that's when my grandmother and looking back I think she was right that's when it took a turn when they took them out the street. We lost that, we lost a certain humanity with them. I mean the police is like fettered with. Um racism throughout history like I'm not making this up oh no um, you're absolutely it, it's correct it's with that so I mean I think it's a, a, it's a I guess if you are in the neighborhood it makes more sense if it's a different type of community and I, I, I haven't lived in a world that way but I just feel like at the same time the history of policing and the history of America does not lend itself to being of servant leadership. No, and at some point, because I even have friends who had husbands as cops, and it was an ugly story. But, you know, they adopted a, a whole different culture. Once they stopped being part of your neighborhood, it, it was just a whole different culture. But that goes fast forward to where we are. That's why we're so disjointed neighborhoods aren't drawn together well neighborhoods can't be drawn together what are you talking about like quote-unquote races well no I mean even to knowing who your neighbors are I mean when I grew up we knew everybody from a three 
three blocks down, three blocks over, either way. I mean, yeah, but that time has done that. Right. Time if we don't know, that. I don't even know the, the people next door name. I don't want to. You know, but. I couldn't tell you what they look like. But yeah, I've seen them and we speak, but <laughs> I don't know I their name. In a lineup, but there, there's a certain sense of home security you do miss with that. And there's also a certain sense of lack of security when you have that as well. So it goes both ways. You just have to pick your neighborhoods wisely. I, if I were to like pivot off of that, not everybody can pick a neighborhood wise. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah. So, you know, some people are just where they are because of um, systematic racism. And I've been so, there too. There are certain neighborhoods I had to live in because that's all I could afford. And yeah. that, hey, there I was. But yeah, but to a larger scheme, which is hard to change a culture again back to the United States not being a culture of servant leadership it's more right. of like how much greed and wealth can one attain off of the labor free labor initially and now next to nothing labor so again those people who sit in those CEO offices and those board of um, board of what is it trustees yeah whoever they are you know those individuals have the capacity and the ability the, to make the greatest amount of change in servant leadership to say, okay, what does my lowest paid employee make and how can I make their lives better? Or how can I go into this institution, whether or not it's school, how can I make sure that no one is left behind? Right. And not that when they, when I lift them up, that I put them in a position precisely where I want them to serve a certain function. And even corporate America does, there might be some people, I, I think there's a guy in Seattle and I wish I could remember his name, I'll pull it up, um, that paid his staff like a, a wage and he's fighting for a living wage in Washington State or Seattle. And I think they might have gotten it. And I mean, part of that is because people live better. You know, so how do we make it so that everyone as a country, if we're speaking of this on a, on a, a macro level versus it being what you can do, I think government-wise and in education and in whatever sectors that we're talking about, within this country, how do we make it so that it is servant leadership that's going back? And unfortunately, I have very low hopes for the United States. So I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever be able to see that because that requires a certain amount of conversation, true conversation, and it requires a reckoning and it requires reparation in whichever form, shape, and a, an entire culture change. It does. And how do you shift the culture after 400 years of it being about certain people being on top and other people being below? Hi, Ryston. So, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Um, but I think as individuals, we can do that however it fits for us to do it. 
and in whichever shape, form, capacity, or timeline it requires that we do it because you don't want to burn people out in the process of giving. Yes, because then they stop and they don't they mm -hmm. don't see the benefit of it. But and I, I know we're coming to the end. Okay. I um I there was one person that um, I asked one of my um, staff members. I said, you know, how are things going? Because they looked and they were like. I don't know. I said, you know, the, everything good at your home, nobody's sick or anything. And she said, no. She said, you know what I miss most of all? Mm -hmm. She said, hugs. Oh. She said, oh, that comes back to hugs. Okay. Yeah. She said, I miss just being able to hug someone. She said, because, you know, like a, a student came in from another state and she came by herself. And she said I, she was so sad. She was crying because she's homesick. Mm -hmm. And she said, and without even thinking, I went to hug her. And she's like, no, the virus, we can't hug. <laughs> and she, she, she said, we picked up a sheet and we hugged through the sheet. She said she just needed a hug. She said, we're, we're, she said I just missed that. And I just looked at her and I said, come here. I'm going to risk it. <laughs> oh, good. And I just looked up a little diddly about <laughs> servant leadership that came from the African Sisters Education College. I think that's what it is. And the characteristic of servant leaders is empowerment, which is the ability to assess others and realizing their full potential. Standing back, follows have priorities and receive credit for the work that they do. You can see where America's just with this. Humility, placing oneself in perspective. Authenticity, true to oneself professionally, publicly, and privately. Courage, taking risks, being innovative, overcoming fears. Accountability, holding self and others responsible for actions. Interpersonal acceptance, ability to understand others perspective and stewardship practicing service for the larger institution or society um and i think that kind of encompasses without us even knowing all of this at that time a lot of the things that we talked about and a lot of things that are to be considered well the bible's real simple it says just be more like jesus okay. read and study who he is and you will be an honorable servant leader there you go. So, and there is one little act that I want to do. <clears throat> and for those of you listening at home, I don't care where you're listening, you could probably do this. I'm going to ask all of us to stand here. Are we touching each other? Because no, I, come I, on. You know, no. I got a bubble. Yeah, we tried the hug thing. That didn't work. I'm not come a hugger. On, Miss Alina, stand up. So come on, stand up. You you're like to say room. yeet at the end of the episode. Yeah, that's the only thing. Mm. Yeah, well, here we are. A friend taught me this the other day when I was talking about my thing. And they said, stand and plant your feet. So wherever you are, listeners, stand and plant your feet. Kind of bend your knees a little bit. Bend your knees, Alina. I'm sorry. I just like... Bend your knees. <laughs> Put your hands in a fist. Like you're going to stomp with your, you know, pound the desk with your hands. Okay. Stand strong, strand tall, 
and you throw your arms up one, two, three, and we're going to yell, get out. You ready? Oh, but we can't yell so loud. Because okay, don't gonna... yell too loud. One, two, three, get, get up. up. What are we and then the to? next thing you're going to do is pound your hands down, and then you're going to say next. One, two, three, next. That means whatever you're going through, whatever the difficulty, just tell it to get out and say next. Because no matter what happens in life, it's a process. It reminds me of that Adriana. What's her name? Eight. What's her name? I don't know who you're talking about. The one that sings, thank you, next. Oh, eight. Yes. Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. Okay, so there we go. So just always be in the frame mind of get this out the way and next. Thank you, next. I think that's the title of our episode. All right. So I think we might have done a thing again. Yeah. As always, thank you guys so much. Make sure that you share, share, share the podcast with other people. Leave comments. Um, and just don't share. You know, talk about it amongst your friends. You know, use this as a talking point for some things. If your next family Zoom meeting, say, hey, you know what? I heard this. Let's chat about it. Yes. Yeah, however the conversation gets going. And we really got to get that email together so we can get that um, going. But as always, thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much for listening and tuning in. Be, be safe. Can we not? No. That's me. Oh, that's you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I got the front one right. You just don't, everything, Rome wasn't built in a day. Sure. Be safe. Be well. Be easy. And be blessed. Bye. Bye. I want to make sure I'm heard this time. I think we. You were screaming. Wait, wait, wait. Y'all, my. You're good. Bye. I'm editing. I'm editing that out. I'm not. Over here with your nonsense.